This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. I know last week I said on these... uh, these Tuesday, Wednesday shows, we were going to try to do some interviews with content creators, and we are still going to do that. But there's been a little bit of change of plans because the G1 is coming. And for those of you who are fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you aren't, it is the classic greatest wrestling tournament of the year. Uh, we do have a Pick'em Challenge going on on the website at Fight Game Media and sponsored by this podcast, the Fight Game Podcast. All of the rules are on the website. You can also find them on Twitter. But basically, step one is to join our Fight Game Podcast Facebook group. And if you join the Facebook group, all you have to do is uh, retweet or share the post that is linked uh, in 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 the article on fightgamemedia.com and then you're you're entered that's your that's your entry you just be in the group and share the post whether it's on Facebook or on Twitter and then we will send you a bracket to fill out so that you can be a part of our challenge now the thing that's a little bit different in normal brackets at least as far as I've seen for the G1 there isn't a real sort of daily pick'em. It's more that you have to predict all of the winners and all the matches and all the blocks and all the nights before the tournament actually starts, and you just have to see how good you are at sort of predicting, you know, how the tournament lays out. But with this one, we wanted to treat it more like, you know, like real sports. Like you know, for the NBA, you you pick games daily. You don't uh, you don't you know, pick a whole week's worth of games before uh, they are even played. So we're going to try to do that. It may be, it may be hard. It may be tough. Uh, there are people that are going to get behind and I'm sure they're going to get frustrated, but they are, um, uh, you know, it's just what we wanted to do. Look, and if it doesn't work, then maybe we'll do something else. But it's, it's the, it's the thing that I've been trying to do. And thanks to Chris Samsa, who you may have heard on the last episode of the fight game podcast, he's the one who's made it work. He's put together a Google spreadsheet, uh, where we can we can protect each person's spreadsheet so that no one else can see everyone's picks and uh, everything should be uh, should be pretty fun. Uh, but again, it is an experiment. So if something happens that uh, you know we are not anticipating, then we'll sort of have to figure it out as we go. But the winner of the whole thing, and you basically you get a point for every correct prediction in the tournament um, for all the singles matches. You get one point for every. A correct prediction and then you get five points for predicting the block winner and five points for predicting the uh the championship or the the tournament winner so there's 15 points for predictions that you will have to get in by friday those are not adjustable those are just one time predictions before the entire thing starts so you know i'm i'm 
I, I've mentioned this a lot. The easiest thing to do is just go to the uh, fight game uh, podcast Facebook group, join that. I will accept you, and then you can kind of start reading the announcements, and you'll you'll get what the gist is. But do so before Friday because the tournament starts uh, Saturday morning. And once the once that tournament starts, uh, at least for night one, you'll have to have those picks locked in in order to get points. So we are going to have it's re- really, you know, this is G1 time. So probably not a surprise to folks, but we have um, two segments here specifically talking about the G1 on the first segment. I did an interview with uh, Dave Meltzer the other day, and I got his thoughts on the G1. I got his thoughts on both blocks, kind of what he sees and what he thinks is possibly going to happen in the tournament. And that is uh, that is the first segment, about probably about 20 minutes or so. And then something that's really cool that I'm excited for, uh, Justin Nipper came to me, and he said that he was interested in doing a G1-specific podcast. Now, that doesn't mean... He's going to podcast after every night. He may combine, uh, you know, the, the he may combine uh, the two nights. So, you know, once the A block and the B block are finished, then he may do a podcast. He st- he still has to figure it out himself. But the point is, is that he wants to provide daily content for the listeners here. Uh, and you know, this is going to be G one specific. So, if you are interested at all in in the G one and just the idea of this tournament, which is really like you know real sports tournament here um you'll you'll probably really enjoy these shows you don't even have to watch because uh justin and uh, carlos toro who has agreed to join him for these shows they are going to be putting these out uh, after they get done watching so those are going to be um like i said maybe not after every show they may group the blocks together and then talk about both nights but there's going to be a lot of content surrounding the g1 so Justin wanted to do a little bit of a preview. So after we're done with Dave, I will throw on, I'll throw it to Justin and Carlos. And this is kind of their, their, um, um, what what do you call it uh, in, in, in TV shows when they, when they have the first episode, I forget what they call them, but basically this is their test episode. And I, and I wanted them to be able to kind of put it out just so people will know, you know, what to expect from the two of them. They are, um, they are great members of this group, of this page, uh, at Fight Game Media. Uh, Carlos and Justin both write for the website. Uh, you'll remember Justin's uh, great uh, series of pieces on Hanakamura, and Carlos has written a lot of boxing stuff lately. So it's a it's a good thing for both of them to kind of be able to, to stretch their uh, podcast muscles a little bit. And I'm interested to hearing their takes on these matches, because I'll be watching them, but, you know, I sometimes I, I can't watch them as closely as I want, especially with how often these shows are happening. So, um, so let's get it started. Again, Fight Game Podcast Facebook group is where you want to be if you're interested in hanging out with us for the entire tournament here. So uh, before we get to uh, before we get to Dave, we have to talk about uh, our latest sponsor, Indeed. Sort of. I wish I had the Funaki voice so I can I can do this proper. But uh, even though you had even though sports had a break, your business didn't have a break. You had to keep it moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed 
gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners of the Fight Game Podcast a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash blue wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire and uh, terms and conditions apply with the offer valid through September 30th. All right, bringing on Dave Meltzer from the wrestling observer to talk about the G one, the lineups and the blocks. Dave, I was talking to uh, Chris Samsa, and we were kind of talking about how New Japan handled the pandemic, and you know they they waited, they they were the last ones to come back, and I think there was an expectation from fans that you know they were going to kind of get back to where they were before the pandemic started, and I think there was a little bit of um, you know they 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 weren't going to get there. Everyone sort of struggled with the wrestling without the fans, and then when the evil uh, title reign happened, uh, I think, you know, there was some, you know, it was kind of polarizing. I think some people liked it. They liked the opportunity that he got and other people were kind of just bored by the matches. But now as we get towards the G1, it really feels like this is where new Japan is back because I can't imagine with the, the uh, talent in this tournament that it could be, um, you know, it, it could be disappointing in any way, actually. I mean, the only way is if you're going to compare it to like the last couple of years, because G1's been like so fantastic the last few years. And I don't know with fans not cheering and booing that it, it can reach the levels of the other years, but it can't be bad. And we're probably going to get the best matches, you know, over the next month, we're probably going to get most of the best matches of 2020. So in that sense, when the year's over, we're going to look at this and because we haven't we've had we really haven't had a lot of great matches this year. We had we had we you know, the year started off really good. But once we hit the pandemic, it's everything just changed. And like there's been there's been like some really good matches, um, you know, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan was good. And um, the sprint, you know, Stadium Stampede was good for what it was. Wacky match and everything. I mean, they've definitely been good matches, but they're hasn't been anything you know to me that's just been super blow away since march where you just go like this is like a match of the year like a real match of the year and i can't imagine i don't know which ones but there's you know you know when i look at this lineup there's like you know 10 or 20 of these things and some of them are going to be like that with for, for sure especially in that a block because there's just there's just too much talent and it's like too many of the best wrestlers in the world all together in the same block, all wrestling each other. And the B block's very good too. But the A block is is, you know, is one one person shy of absolutely unreal greatest block in history, you know, which is Yujiro Takahashi. But, you know, we'll live with that. Because every year there's always, you know, there's usually like in every block, there's usually like two guys that are kind of 
um, the downers, I guess. And in this block, I mean, it's like Taichi will be fine because everyone else will bring it, but Yujiro probably won't be. But aside from that, you know, it's like everyone is is just going to be, you know, it's just too many, too much talent that that all knows that it's it's time to bring your A game. This is your your biggest, you know, your biggest matches of the year. I think one of the games uh, that that we can play is uh, who has the best match with Yujiro uh, <laughs> as as the block goes on. So well, well, Will Osprey's got the first chance, and and he may be hard to beat. Yeah. Do you worry that these guys who haven't been wrestling um, lately? Someone like Osprey, I mean, I know he's done a little bit, but we haven't seen him in a long time. And the first time he has a chance to come back, he co- he comes back in like the most grueling tournament that he's that he's going to wrestle in. Yes. The other thing I worry about, I don't know if worry is the right word, but he's also 15 pounds heavier than he's ever wrestled consistently at because during the pandemic, he went into heavy bodybuilding and it changes things. I mean, it's not like his waist is is still small, but still, when you're a high flyer and you're adding 15 pounds, it changes everything. And I know his style is going to be he's going to do less high flying in this tournament than he did like last year. And, and you know, I mean, that's not necessarily bad because um, it's the same with, with Shingo. You know, I don't think Shingo's going to do as much flying. I think it's going to be more hard hitting. But they both have, you know, that, that great wrestling brain. And and um, I've only seen, like, I mean, I've seen the last Osprey match I saw was the tag. They did a tag match in, in London a couple weeks ago. And he wasn't in that much. But when he was in, he was tremendous. And then the one before that was when he wrestled his girlfriend. And that was, like, probably in March. And, um, you know... That was a great match, all things considered. You know, again, you know, I mean, intergender and all that. It's hard to, you know, I mean, and and you know, some sometimes some of the selling he sold too much for in certain spots. But there's a really good match. So I mean, I guess if he could do that, he probably should do a, a good match with Yujiro. But it's going to be a different Will Osprey though. I don't think that you add 15 pounds and you know, and it's going to be the same guy. And that's not to say it won't be as good. It's just going to be different. And it's, and it's not only Will. It's Jay. It's uh, Juice. Jay and J- J- Jay has wrestled maybe one match in a couple months. Juice has not wrestled. Uh, Cobb's wrestled a handful of matches. Um, but I mean, the rest of them, have, you know, have been wrestling about a month. But, yeah, you know. So, yeah. so Okada has not looked good since 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 it started. But he, you know, I can't imagine him not having good match with Kota Ibushi. And Ibushi hasn't looked looked. Um, I mean, he's looked good. He's looked very good. But he's he hasn't put on a performance like a Kota Ibushi performance yet either uh but I think that everyone is kind of you know when it comes to G1 it's very rare that you get letdowns so I expect um yeah I I expect uh, an enormous you know enormous amount of great matches over the next month Uh, looking at the blocks do you foresee stories coming out of I know well, we have stories. to sort of let them we, we sort of have to let them play out but anything in the in like the strategy of putting those blocks together do you, could you see anything before it happens mm. no but because when I look at it I'm just looking at like these lineups and when you know the thing is is like every a block night looks like a card of the year I mean you look at and I mean the thing is on the on these shows is you know it's it's six singles matches and probably you know, two and a half hour to three hour blocks. So everyone's going to have time. The opener is going to be, 
you know, hard hitting, good, but not overshadowing singles match. It's not like you got a whole undercard. I mean, it's going to be just, it's like all, all meat and no whatever, no filler, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these cards are going to be great. And the B, the B block cards are good too. I mean, it's like, they just pale compared to the other one. But if I look at like just the first B block night in Osaka, it's like Tanahashi and Naito from a star standpoint. I mean, that's, you know, a legendary. They haven't, they haven't wrestled in a few years, right? Yeah, several years because they're always in a different block in the in the G one, and I mean they feuded in the past, but but um, and they were always really good. And then you know it's uh, Zack Saber and Evil, which is you know a unique match, but a, probably a good one. Goto and Kenta had a great match at the Tokyo Dome. Um, Sonata and Toriyano obviously is going to be very much comedy, and then Juice and Yoshihashi is is um, it's like the test for both of them because they you know what I mean. It's like. They both kind of have to perform in that one. It's not going to be a match of the year, I don't think. But, you know, it it's it's a, you know, when I just look at that, that's a good card. And the second one, you know, Naito and Zach will probably be really good. And then you got Tanahashi with um, Yano. And I, I do believe that, you know, they, they rarely have wrestled each other either. But I do think that, like, Tanahashi and Yano will figure out a great match. I mean, that's that's the one. I, I just expect every Tanahashi match is going to be really good just because he... He always figures out a way. Uh, I know that uh, you know you've you've mentioned in the past that there have been um, storylines that you could sort of anticipate just based on knowing Ghetto's style of booking. When you look at both of these blocks, do you sense who who you think like like do you do you think you have good predictions on who you think wins or or is it kind of up in the air? I mean, Okada's the favorite, I think. Um, there's, I don't think like, I think that there will probably be a couple of like, like maybe, um, Osprey or, or, or Takagi, I think will probably be alive on, at the end. Um, I think that Suzuki will drop a few because th- those will be his contenders. But yeah, when you look at the, I mean, if you look at the final, the, the final, final day, um, which is the, uh, the sumo hall. So it's, it's Takagi and Suzuki. And I think Takagi is going to win that one because Suzuki just beat him. You got Ishii and Jay, which um, I just don't see Ishii being there at the end, but it would make for a great story. I mean, an Ishii thing where Ishii's alive at the end is is something that will play out as a great story because of his age and people don't really expect it. And if he if that match, like if he's still in the running with that match and and can beat Jay White... Um, and then, you know, for even even if like it, at the end he doesn't win the block, that's like a giant win for him. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's a possibility. Okada and Will Ospreay will probably be a phenomenal match, especially with Sumo Hall at the end when everyone's in. The one thing with, with, with at the end of the G1, you're banged up, but you're also in your best cardio shape because you've had all these matches. And I think that like that's when I looked at when I saw that, I thought, okay, Will Ospreay is going to be alive. Is going to. They're both going to be alive in that match. I, I like they. I expect that that will be the main event at Sumo Hall of that night, and that uh, the winner will will take the block. And then um, Cobb and Ujiro maybe not so great. And Abushi um, and Taichi will will be really good. And and I would think that they might keep them around. And then the other one, uh, Naito and Kenta. Um, you know, Naito beat Kenta to defend his title, so Kenta could get an upset there. Um, and then it's Evil and Sonata. And maybe with Evil having won the title, maybe it's, uh, 
you know, maybe it's Sonata's year. Maybe you go with Okada and Sonata. Um, you know, I don't know. They they had a lot of matches last year. Um, maybe you go with Okada and Evil. Um, you could do that one too. And and, and um, Or you could just go with Okada and Naito. That's the safe one where Okada wins. And then you go to the Tokyo Dome with Naito and Okada for the title. Um, that's that's another way you could do it. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of viable ways, but I think in the end, I I expect Okada. Um, I look at that. I don't see I don't see Takagi. I don't I you know I don't feel Osprey, but it's possible. I know that Osprey was you know months ago when I was told about G1. I was told it was going to be a big G1 for Osprey. It wasn't like told he was going to win. It was just like this was the one where they were going to elevate him. So he could beat. It's it's possible he'll go and beat Okada on that last night too. That which mm-hmm. because even if he doesn't win the tournament, if he beats Okada, it's like you know like he spoils Okada, and then you got maybe um, Jay White or Shingo winning um, the block. Um, but the then but then you almost have to have evil in the finals with. I don't know. Evil in the finals with with uh, Takagi to me, I guess that's that could be really good. But evil in the finals with Jay, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, but yeah, there's there's, you know, again, there's there's a lot of guys that there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways he can go. Do you sense? Uh, I, I guess based on what you said, you probably don't sense it, but I think. You know, in the next couple years, there there's a Tanahashi story in there about you know him sort of being older and does he have one last run in him? Well, and when I was talking, this, this year might be that year. Well, yeah, that, that's what I was wondering is because of what that B block looks like, it does seem that you could have a bunch of guys sort of you know really close in the end and then and then it becomes about you know maybe who who wins uh, the last night and it it could be sort of a sneaking him in kind of thing that that I thought I think would be an interesting story um but yeah I need I you know I didn't I, I don't because you know I haven't been watching a, a lot of the new Japan because of the obviously the pandemic I don't have a good sense myself of of where I think things could be going but i did i did wonder i think i think the tanahashi story would be awesome for a year like this because of the stuff that you know the promos he's been cutting and you know putting over coda as the guy and he's not the guy anymore i I do think that is a pretty interesting wrinkle but that could be for next year they they could be doing something longer term for next year that was sort of what they did in 2018 though and yeah coming back in 2020 um but but you're running out of time with that, you know, mm-hmm. because um, the one thing with with Ghetto's booking is like, you know, like we, we, we saw it like, you know, several years ago with people like Nagata and Kojima, where there was like sentimental thing, even Tenzon, you know, when, in Tenzon's last G1, there's that sentimental thing of, you know, like it's their last G1. Let's let's give them stuff. And, and essentially in their last G1, they lose almost every time. Like they don't even give him wins. He just, he's not really into that sentimental thing past a certain level. And um, just the way Tanahashi has been booked this year, it's almost like if they're going to, you know, it's, it's like the way Tanahashi and Okada have been booked. I almost feel like they're going to get a, they, they, they're either going to get a good G1. Well, Okada's fine. I mean, cause he's, you know, he's going to be the guy, but, 
But um, with Tanahashi, if he doesn't, like if he goes and does like a four and five G1, I think that that's it for him. I think that it's kind of like that's the message that he's he's a high mid Carter and his day is over and he's with, you know, where, you know, Kojima and Makabe and all those guys were and where Suzuki sort of was until he had that rebirth this year. Um, and Suzuki's matches in the A block are going to be really interesting because, I mean, he's had so many great matches this year at 52 years old that, you know, him, I don't see him going to the finals, especially because he's got that never title, but I could see him, I could see like a lot of interest in his individual matches, especially like the new ones, you know, you'll get, again, you'll get an Okada Suzuki and those guys always kill it. you got... You know, Will Ospreay, Suzuki, something different. Shingo and Suzuki had an, a, just an absolutely incredible match at uh, Jingu Stadium. So we could have another one. Um, and Cobb and Suzuki, you know, that's that's going to be... I, I, I expect that might be Cobb's best match here. Although Shingo might be, Will Ospreay might be, Okada might be. Um yeah, it's yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh, first time working with someone uh, th- that that it'll be fresh. We saw I mean, we saw Cobb and Osprey um, at the Madison Square Garden show. But it seems like, you know, with uh, with Cobb, he'll, he'll he'll get the opportunity to work with uh, some guys for the first time, which will be kind of cool, I'm sure for him. Um, yeah. So I guess last thing here, if you were to predict a block and B block. Sounds like you have Okada coming out of the A block. Um, and then who who would you have matching up with him in the finals? Well, I mean, I would have Tanahashi, but um, I, I could see, uh, you know, like there's a part of me that thinks maybe it's time for Sonata. Um, but, they, you know, like I said, they did so many Okada Sonatas last year mm-hmm. so maybe evil because evils it's been evil's year evil won the new japan cup evil won the iwgp title so if evil's there with okada the one thing is is people go well you know it's evil's really had a great year so he's a real threat to okada winning um and you know if you're going to go with naito evil and naito you know obviously from being in the same stable and they're they're um they're one and one with each other that there's like that match makes sense too. But I don't see if they were going to do a Tokyo dome match, this is just my thought. They're going to do a Tokyo dome match. They wouldn't have wrestled twice already this year. Um, and actually three times because they'll, they're going to wrestle in G one. So that's, that's three times. I, I don't think, um, unless evil beats Naito, you know, in the tournament, which, you know, you could do that. So, whereas Okada and Naito, they're kept in separate blocks. Naito beat him for the title, but the you know the whole storyline is Okada had that incredible match with Abushi the night before. So, they 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 didn't do the rematch in um, Dominion, which I thought they would. So to me, it's like okay, if they didn't do it in Dominion, that means they're holding it off for the Tokyo Dome. So that means Okada wins unless they do the monkey wrench which is you do something like um, maybe Will Os- oh God, that's, that's asking a lot with Osprey, but, but maybe Jay White wins. Actually, you could do this one. Jay White wins the tournament uh, in A block, 
and then Okada has beaten Jay White during the tournament, and then you go in October with Okada and Jay White for the briefcase because no one's ever won the G1 and then lost the briefcase. And sometime you have to do it, and maybe that's the way you do it. I, I almost think that way Jay gets something out of um, winning the G1 um, or Will Ospreay, you know, one of those two guys. You put one of them over um, in the G1, and then they lose to Okada in October. So you, you end up with Okada and Naito at the Tokyo Dome, but you do it in a different way because Okada doesn't need to win G1. It won't really elevate him, but I do think he, he kind of needs to be. I just think that the, the, the fact they've kept Okada and Naito apart all year tells me that that's the, the uh, Tokyo Dome main event. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, last question is your coverage of it. Do you think it's going to be easier this year harder uh you know we don't have those opening tags this year uh i don't know if the if the shows are spaced out a little bit more it seems like maybe they're spaced out a little no, bit about better the same about, about the same about the same about the same number of shows yeah yeah i mean because it's um, a lot of it's a lot of watching and writing for you yeah i think it will be i mean what makes it harder is that we got um, AEW and NXT for two hours, mm-hmm. which we didn't have last year at this time, you know, because last year was in the summer. So in that sense, it's it's going to be harder. But if you, you know, I mean, I, I will watch less matches because I was watching full, you know, I didn't watch every full card, but I watched, you know, every big city full card. Mm-hmm. And now the full cards, I, I'll probably watch every full card, even though I'm sure I'm going to be so... I, I, you know, I mean, the, uh, Yoda Suji and um, Yu Imura and Gabriel Kidd are really going to have their hands full because they're wrestling each other over and over again, <laughs> every single opener. <laughs> and and it's on high, they're all on high profile shows and they can't do the same match with each other over and over again. So they're going to have a, a real challenge because essentially, um, you know, yeah, you know, like we're going to get like, you know, whatever it is. Um, what is it? It's 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 uh, no um, eighteen shows I think right eighteen nineteen shows Nine, yeah um, so but eight, eighteen regular shows so so they're going to be essentially wrestling those those guys I think are going to be wrestling each other every matchup of Gabriel Kidd Uemura and Suji is going to be done six times during this tour I yeah think. so they've got so that that's a challenge too because you're doing. Six singles matches, but it's, you know, 12 singles matches. They're going to do 12 singles matches, but they're going to be against the same two guys over and over again uh, with the same, knowing the same people are watching. So that's, that's the, you know, almost a hard challenge because with the guys in the G1, at least they're not repeating any matches and they're not even having to repeat spots in tag matches against the same people over and over again. It's like everyone's in there with one guy for your 10 or 15 minutes and then you never are going to be in the ring with him again the whole tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, all right. Well, thanks for jumping on and talking about this tournament. We, we have a little... Uh, uh, I, I call it the G1 challenge where we had a bunch of people like picking matches every day and we have a little bit of a game to see who gets the most uh, matches and, and predictions at the end. So I, we're, this uh, this podcast is going to be completely dialed in to the G1. So thanks for joining. Okay, great. 
All right. Thanks to Dave for hanging out with us. I always love it when I can do uh, a short segment with Dave, which is a little bit outside of what I do with him on Wrestling Observer Radio. He's been very kind to this show and uh, has given back. And so I, I really enjoy talking to him when I'm kind of, you know, it's, it's my show rather than his show. But anyways, uh, before we get to the preview of the G1 cast with Justin Nipper and Carlos Toro, I want to talk quickly about Bet Online. As everyone knew, as everyone knows, uh, you could not mistake that football is back. You may not be at a game this year, unless you're in Kansas City, where they seem to have had a lot of fans, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anyone else than anywhere else. Apologize. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE. That's BLUEWIRE all in one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get it to... Justin and Carlos for the preview episode of G1 Cast. Hello, it's Justin from Fight Game Media. I'm with Carlos Toro, boxing, wrestling, and combat sports journalist and complete master and expert. <laughs> Welcome, Carlos. Today we're going to talk about New Japan's G1 Climax 30 2020 for debut episode of Viking Media's G1 cast. What's up, Carlos? Uh, pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm very, very flattered by the introduction uh, that you gave me. Very, very much so. We were we we're discussing like right before we got we started recording that uh, you can just pretty much give me anything it would technically be correct. But uh, but I appreciate that introduction. I'll try to improve with each podcast. <laughs> I'm kind of hard to really improve from uh, from master of everything. So <laughs> improve or just make things up. <laughs> no. So we're here. We're, we're going to talk about New Japan's uh, G1 Climax that starts next week. So we're talking on Sunday, 13th. And the first two shows are going to be from Osaka at Edion Arena. And... Before we start, this is going to be like a preview show. So, Carlos, let's look at the blocks for this year. Let's look at the A block first. Yeah, I mean, you look at that A block and it's maybe about as uh, loaded an A block as you probably ever get, especially during these times. So, the A block, you got Kota Ibushi, Jeff Cobb, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Jay White, and Yujiro. One of these things is not like the other Takahashi. <laughs> Very good. It's uh, it's a very it, it's. I looked at that block, and the first thing that jumped out to me was one that they somehow managed to bring in Will Osprey uh, into this, and and sort of the same case could be said for uh, for Jeff Cobb and a couple of guys in the B block. But it's a extremely loaded uh, A block, and I'm looking at this like it's really hard to sort of pick out who's going to win because you could theoretically put in a number of guys as the A block winner and it wouldn't really be a huge surprise, especially given 
the what we've seen with the booking of the New Japan Cup. So I it's I'm looking at this A block and I'm super excited. And then you got in the B block uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice, Haruki Goto, Toriyano, Yoshihashi, Tetsuya Naito, Sanada, Zack Saber Jr., Kenta, and Evil. So we were talking just before we went on the air about the disparity, the usual disparity between these A blocks and B blocks, especially in the past couple of years. Now the A block, like you said, it's pretty stacked. It's it's pretty amazing. And it's just Yujiro, but it's pretty amazing. <laughs> and uh, but the B block, it's not like it's bad. But why do you yeah. think we? Uh, why why does that feel that way? I don't like. Sanada, Zack Sabre, Kenta, Tanahashi, Night Evil. There's a lot going on. Yeah. But for some reason, I'm just... It's hard think? to it's hard to do, especially you know Tanahashi. You know, it, usually and around G one time, Tanahashi isn't exactly a hundred percent health. Um, Juice Robinson. I mean, they they literally announced a few weeks ago that he wasn't going to be appearing on New Japan Strong because he had a he I believe it was a a leg injury if I remember or he he was injured, and now suddenly oh he's in G one and then you got guys like. Sonata and Evil and Kentai, I mean, they're, they're all good, but like compared to sort of what you got in the A block, it's, it's really like not necessarily night and day, but you can tell what the better matches on paper are going to look like. And I mean, you know, then, then you had kind of your oddballs and Toriyanu who who's good for an upset or two in the G1 because that's always uh, how, it's, how it is. And here, uh, you know, Naito, really interesting how they're going to do it because you can't – I don't want to say, like, you have to put Naito as a B-block winner, but he is the double champion, and you can't have him lose too many times. You're going to get he's, – he's probably going to lose at some point or at least set up some type of title challenger – uh, for the pre Wrestle Kingdom show. So it's going to be interesting how they book the B block. The A block is going to have the better match. The B block, I think I'm more interested in how they're going to push Naito uh, with, with, these, with some of these guys. It's interesting you mentioned that because next weekend, the second show, day two of B block at Indian Arena, is going to be Naito versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. That's the opening main event for B-Block. What do you think will happen? I mean, like he said, Tanahashi, he's Mr. He's one of the Mr. G1s mm-hmm. that they have, but he's also been going through the program where he's running out of steam. He's not as strong as he was. Does this push Naito's uh, IWGP double title reign up? Is it a launcher or will it... Uh, Will Tanahashi score a win? I don't know if that would be considered an upset or what. what what's your uh, view on that match, particularly? Yeah, but you know what? It's early enough in the tournament where you, where Tanahashi winning wouldn't necessarily constitute an upset. Really, like Tanahashi winning against any of these guys really shouldn't constitute an upset. I mean. Tanahashi usually does really, really well at the G1, and I don't necessarily expect Tanahashi to just go like four and five or anything like that. Um, you know what? Given that Tanahashi is no longer doing the tag team thing with, with Kotobushi, it, it looks like, I wouldn't be surprised if they got Tanahashi a win just to sort of set up something for November 
just to kind of at least keep an interesting title program before the uh, before Wrestle Kingdom because uh, again you're you're gonna have to, uh, a Naito title defense before Wrestle Kingdom and it usually comes from whoever beats them uh, whoever beats the champion of G1 and you look at the B block and really I guess the most logical sense or the most attractive name would be Tanahashi. You can put in Zack Sabre Jr. or Sonata. Uh, I don't think it'd be a good idea to have Evil beat Naito and then you have Naito Evil 4 or 5 at this point. They don't. That's not usually New Japan's style to just revisit the exact same match over and over again in such a short time. I agree with your point, although maybe we could talk about New Japan Strong now, but this week's main event actually is tending to it kind of does it's rehashing a little bit i don't know who books i don't know who's in charge i'm not saying that's a good or bad thing but i don't know what can happen it could be a rehash and that's what i actually wanted to ask you about next is on october 11th that's when naito's b-block match with evil is and nagoya do you think i mean this is going to be a rubber match for 2020 do you, how how is this factor into their story do you think evil picks up the win to, I mean, if he picks up the win, of course he doesn't um, win the titles, but if you remember, I think it was three years ago, he picked up that upset win over Okada when right. Okada was in his uh, golden time. I mean, he was pretty much undefeated except for that one loss that he, and, and he ended up facing Evil at, uh, in October at whatever um, event it was called. Oh, I forget the name of that October event. Wrestle, oh my gosh. Wrestle, the wrestling Duntaku? Is it wrestling Duntaku? I think it could be. It's the October one. Whatever is in October. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it, so that happens. I could, I could see that happening. But now let's go back to the A block though, because that's mm. the one that I think has most people excited. What are some of your? Um, well, actually, let's look at the matches for next weekend. Let's focus on the A block. What? Okay, I'm going to run down some of the A block card uh, matches for next Saturday. So we have. Will Ospreay and Yujiro Takahashi, Jeff Cobb versus Taichi, Tomohiro Ishii versus Minoru Suzuki, Shingo Takagi versus Jay White, and Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi in a rematch of the block finals from last year. Um, what on that first card has you excited? Any Anything special? Uh, you know, obviously... First thing that comes to mind with Kata Ibushi, I mean, that's a that's a hell of a main event. Assuming that's the main event uh, for next Saturday, that's a that's a fantastic way to sort of kick off the G One Okada versus Ibushi. It's you know the the rest of the card I like. I mean, Shingo Takagi J Y is going to be probably really good. Shingo has arguably been been the MVP for New Japan as far as bringing fantastic matches during the pandemic. I mean, literally, I cannot find a bad Shingo Takagi singles match throughout this entire run and and i and of course i'm saying this as a big shingle takagi fan but you know jay white is could could is capable of giving some uh, some really really good matches i think with shingo we're gonna get something like that you know ishii Mirano suzuki it's i think it's gonna be really good now, I worry a little bit about how Minoru Suzuki is going to be doing later in the tournament. That's sort of more or less where I'm concerned. Because, you know, as much as I love Suzuki, dude's in his 50s. It, the G1 is arguably the most physically grueling wrestling tournament in the world today. And you can, and especially with this 
type of block. I mean, aside from Yujiro, you can't really like take it easy on any of these matches, like at all. You can you can have Suzuki. I think we'll have Suzuki win this one, especially with especially now that he's still like relatively fresh compared to what he'll probably be uh, in a few weeks. Jeff Cobb, Taichi, it's it'll be good ish. I'm, I'm not not necessarily a huge fan of Taichi, so to speak. I mean, I like him more as a heavyweight than he was as a junior heavyweight, where he stuck where he stuck out like a sore thumb like a lot as a junior heavyweight. I'll admit, but, but but I was impressed by Tai Chi. I like uh, so far. I do think he's a capable enough of a wrestler. And Osprey versus Yujiro, uh, man, I it's that is such a weird match, especially for Osprey's first in his New Japan return. At least that has intrigue. There is, yeah, I suppose. It, 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 yeah, I mean. You, in every Yujiro match, I think the one benefit about Yujiro being in the A block and being the guy that's like so out of place on paper with everyone else is that you can tune into every Yujiro match with the with the sole purpose of is this is this where we're gonna see the the big one the big upset because I. I don't think Yujiro's going to go 0 for 9, even though you look at the, the blocks on paper and you think he could, he could realistically go 0 for 9, but that's usually not how they'll do things. They usually like to throw a wrench in there. I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to see the upset with Osprey, but 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 I'm interested in how Yujiro, how they're going to get Yujiro to get a win, in this, especially in this A block. I would imagine since Yujiro is a Bullet Club member, he'll probably, if he does pick up any wins, they'll probably be due to some kind of schmoz, which, yeah. uh, I, which I, I love New Japan, but boy, oh boy, those, uh, you know, taking out the referee and having a faction member interfere, it's getting pretty stale. It, I mean, it, it has been pretty stale for a long time now. I, I get it because it's see it's functional. It's functional booking. Mm. They're going somewhere, and Ghetto and his crew—they've proved that because they do go play. Like there are payoffs at big shows, but I just feel like there's got to be another way. And if this was boxing, imagine if a boxer, a boxing referee, kept getting knocked out during matches. <laughs> he probably would get let go. Yeah, so I feel like it should at least. It's wrestling. There's there's a not a limit, but you gotta stick to a simulation of reality to make it effective. And I think that really takes me out of it. Is when another ref gets taken out by Bullet Club, and yeah, I get it. But I don't know if that's gonna. Well, it doesn't hold my attention. But I guess we'll see what happens. I expect that with Yujiro in this yeah. tournament. Yeah. How about maybe, let's not, oh, maybe not with every usual match, but I think there's going to be a few of them, and I do think there might be one or two that the that you know get Yujiro the win. Maybe uh, again, it's really hard to sort of say who it is. Like the one thing I'm looking the the one match that like I have to look at is the Okada match. It's like they've done Okada Yujiro so many times. It seems like at this point, it's like you have to. You kind of uh, not not that you have to give Yujiro a win over Okada, but it's like 
but but if we gotta beat Yujiro again, then you know, kind of what was what was the whole point of all this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I I thought that the point was to try to somehow reinvigorate Yujiro, maybe get him over, put him, you know, putting somebody with Okada, people are going to pay attention at least. Mm-hmm. And I paid attention. I, I wasn't, it's not like I wasn't impressed. It's just, I, I don't know. I, something with Yujiro, I don't connect with his energy or his, it, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, he's kind of like this year's bad luck Fale. Uh, <laughs> you know, we all know he's there to eat a couple pins, but Yujiro doesn't have the size factor. He's, you know, yeah. he's Yujiro. So I guess we'll see. Uh, let me, uh, let's run down the B block matches. So we, we already talked about Naito and Tanahashi. We also have Zack Sabre Jr. and Evil, uh, Hiro, Kigoto, and Kenta for a rematch that they had uh, from Tokyo Dome earlier this year. Uh, Toriano and Sanada and Yoshihashi and Juice Robinson. Does anything uh, strike you from the Sunday Osaka show, B-Block? You know, it's there's a couple of good matches in there. Um, hmm. But Zack Sabre Jr. versus Evil, that's, that's an interesting dynamic. Um, I can't really say that this will be a great match, but I don't know. It's just it's hard for me to sort of get invested in a lot of evil matches this year because the in ring quality has not really lived up to some of the matches we've had. I mean, the the Naito matches have not exactly been like out of this world. The Hiromi Takahashi match that Evil had it was it was pretty good, but it wasn't like this all time classic. So I don't know. If it was X Saber Junior. We're gonna get some more of that. And, you know, Goto versus Kenta, I like their match at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I think that we're going to get something similar to that. I'm Goto's always good for a few really, really good matches. And Kenta is the type of guy where whose style matches pretty well for with Goto, in my opinion. Uh, Toriano Sonata, I mean, it's going to be a comedy match. Same as with every Toriano match. I don't know if this is where you give Yano the the upset win like, like I look at like Yoshihashi is like perfect for for someone to take a to eat a Toriyano pin but it, it's something and Yoshihashi versus Juice Robinson I'm interested in how Juice looks because as I mentioned like he was he didn't compete on these New Japan strong cards that we've seen so far because he he was injured and then suddenly to be back in Japan now doing the G1, like I assume it can't be that big of an injury if he if he's good enough to do the do the whole G1. But uh, you know, it, there's some good matches, but not as but it's not Okada Ibushi, nor is it uh, Ishii Suzuki or Shingo or Jay White, in my opinion. I, I'm with you for the most part. I'm interested in Zach and uh, Evil. I, I like Evil a lot, although I understand and I know that his style of wrestling isn't the sexiest uh, of mm-hmm. styles compared to somebody like, I don't know, Ibushi or Will Ospreay. He's more of a, if you love pure pro wrestling mm-hmm. without botches or weird execution, I, I love watching Evil just to. to him and Okada to some could be kind of boring. It's a slower pace, but it's a taste thing too. I get it. 
I like him. I'm interested to see what happens with that. I'm also, I don't know if I would say I'm interested in seeing Sanada and Toriano, but I have a feeling that the Paradise Lock will somehow come into play. Some some funny um, Paradise Lock business, maybe some tape from Toriano, uh, uh, athletic tape. Uh, but yeah, typical shenanigans. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But that'll be next weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Um, let's talk about predicting G1. So for the A block and the B block, who are you looking at? Who do you think will walk away with the A block win? It's, I, you know, I, there's a part of me that wants to say Okada. But really, I think the whole issue is like the whole thing about Okada and why we've never we haven't really seen him factoring too much into the title hunt is because Okada doesn't really, at least in storyline, doesn't fully doesn't want to challenge Naito or anyone who's holding both belts because that's because he values the heavyweight title above everything else and hit and whoever is double champion is he's, it's devaluing the heavyweight title because it's one of two bells, not like a singular title bell. So you could put it, it. I think part of it depends on if the winner of the G1 is only going to challenge for the heavyweight title or going to be challenging for both belts. If it's for both belts, I don't see Okada winning. I would see Will Osprey winning the, the A block. And, but but if it's just for the heavyweight title, I can very easily see Okada doing it because because you, you can play on that story of how he was so close to being double champion, but he never wanted to be double champion. He just wanted the heavyweight title above all else. And you know, it's there's a few names you could put out here and really believe that they could win. Shingo could be a dark horse in, in all of this. I mean, he he did lose the never open weight title to Minoru Suzuki, but. At the same time, I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine you're, you're never open weight champion winning, potentially winning the G1 because that's you really you typically don't have champions win the G1. So, I mean, it opens up Shingo to to win the whole thing. You could do Coda. You could put Coda in the finals again. And I don't think anyone really bat an eye, but Coda just hasn't. I don't know. I haven't really clicked a whole lot with Coda ever since the the double gold edge. I mean, part of it was the pandemic, and I was really excited to see you know how him and Hiroshi Tanahashi were going to be as as tag champions, and then pandemic hit, and you know they have to go and they went straight to the Saber and Tai Chi feud, and it just kind of fizzled out after that. Yeah, Ibushi hasn't felt as special i think because of that program the tag team program they were trying to you know beef up the heavyweight tag team division which i thought was a really cool idea but i think you're also right that it um kind of it cooled ibushi off a little bit um Mm -hmm. as far as if i had to pick for the a block make a pick okada would be a safe bet ibushi would as as well i think you know, Ibushi signed full-time, I believe, last year in New Japan. So I, mm. when you sign full-time with a company like New Japan, I feel like they'll eventually, you know, they're going to invest in in the wrestler. So I could see it as being his year. Uh, Jay White as well. Jay White mm-hmm. is Jay White. is the, the, main, the main foreign baddie. And 
uh, on New Japan Strong recently, he looks like he hasn't really lost a step. Um, no, and you can put Jay White in a position where he could challenge Naito. And really, you know what? Yeah, that's a good point. Jay White could be about as big a favorite to win this whole thing as you can. I mean, it's a fresh main event, Naito and Jay White, and you can't... It, and at some point, you gotta sort of really pull the trigger on JY, not just have him win the title and then just sort of take it off him a couple of months later. Like you gotta really pull the trigger on JY and just go for it. And I know New Japan's heavily invested in JY, so you know what? Actually, I'll I'll, I'll change that. I'm gonna change my pick. I'll, I'll go to Jay White. The, now, the more I talk about it, the more it makes sense. Because as much as I would love Osprey to win it, I don't know. I think they might wait another year before we get that Osprey like huge, huge run. But I think Osprey's gonna look real good. Oh, for sure. I, I'm interested to see how he places and and how they uh, how they book Osprey for this because it's it's, it's his first big heavyweight uh, G1. So, but um, yeah, like you said about Jay White, this could very, very easily be Jay White's year. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And as far as the B block, I think it's a little more cut and dried. Um, I, it's going to be between Evil and Naito, in my opinion. I, I am excited to see the B block the last day, which is Evil versus Sanada. I think that, I don't have a feeling Sanada will win, he can be a dark horse for sure, but he's definitely the type of uh, wrestler who could screw somebody's score up. Mm-hmm. And maybe that could factor in at their Cork and Hall match in October where, yeah, maybe Evil ends up in the finals, but maybe he drops that one loss to Sanada, which sets up another uh, blood feud between the two ex-tag team members. Kind of like what happened with John Moxley last year when he kind of had a perfect streak and then he lost to Toriano and then pretty much, I think he lost all of his matches, like his three or four last matches before that. <laughs> so you can see that. And we also talked before the show about um, like our, our wild picks, our Hail Mary kind of picks. So mm-hmm. Carl's for the A block and B block, who is someone who probably won't win, but why not? We could just bet on them for no money. What do you think? <laughs> okay, so the A block, and I'm saying this only because I'm a huge fan of him, and I said already said this before, but I think I can genuinely see Shingo as being that surprise guy. Again, doesn't mean he's going to win the whole thing, but reaching the finals, and you can tell that ever since he signed with New Japan, they've been strongly protecting him. Mm. He's been, it's very rare that you actually see him take a singles loss. Like he went on this massive win streak that was only, that was like almost a year and then got only snapped by, um, by Will Ospreay in the best of the Super Juniors final, which, I mean, for those of you who have not seen Ospreay versus Shingo, that was, well, that was one of the best, that that may have been arguably the best match of that year, which is really saying something. I had that as my match of the year when I submitted it to uh, the Voices of Wrestling's uh, ballot. They do a kind of ballot thing at, at the end of the year. And God, that was, I'm really excited to see their rematch, but their best of the Super Juniors match last June was, it was, it's at a different level of athleticism. Mm-hmm. I, we we could probably now, do a podcast just on that match. <laughs> There's so yeah, much and, in it. 
and, and it's interesting now the dynamics going to change because Osprey and Shingo are going to be our heavyweights. Hmm. Which I prefer is, that. Yeah. yeah. It was always weird to see Takagi as a uh, classified as a junior, even though his style, he can keep up with juniors and he's really fast, but his, he's a big dude and he, he moves and wrestles like a big dude. So yeah. It's good and, to see him here. And, and for my B block, um, I'm going to say, and I've said this and I feel like I say this every year. It's going to be the year the Sonata wins a block. It's going to be the year. I mean, Sonata has always, he's always, he doesn't, I wouldn't say he doesn't always do excellent overall in the G1, but you can always count on him picking up a win against a major, major guy. And they feel like at least, I remember on, at least on the English commentary, for years they always teased Sonata like getting to that next level but it just never clips. And so I could see that I could see Sonata just winning the block, maybe not win the whole G1 because it's you. I, I don't want to say like it's you're fast tracking Sonata to like unreasonable levels. Just having main event Russell Kingdom. But but you can definitely start something with Sonata winning the B block. I, I could totally see it happening. Yeah, if it happened, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be uh, shocked or anything. I mean, we have to remember, like, Sanada is, of course, he's popular, but I really feel that he's much more popular in Japan than he is overseas. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a charisma and sensibilities type of thing. Right. And factoring that in, I just don't feel like he'll get jobbed out. And I, I think if he doesn't win, he'll at least uh, make some kind of dent and uh, he'll be a part of the New Japan story moving towards Tokyo Dome later this year. Uh, if I had to do a Hail Mary, I'm not going to pick Toriano. Uh, B Block, I, I don't really have anything too crazy. I mean, Sanada might be my crazy pick too. I, I don't see Goto uh, moving forward. Uh, Kenta maybe, but I don't think that's that crazy. Juice. Juice is a guy who's also been fairly popular in Japan. I just don't think he it he that like with Sanada it hasn't really reached the same level outside of Japan. But it, you know, but he's always been a guy who's been who is some way, shape, or form they put him in some interesting feuds, and they've and at some point, I feel like you can do something beyond Juice either getting the occasional tag team run or just. Drop, uh, give him the the U.S. title. Yeah, that's right. He was kind of um, he was doing fin juice with Dave Finley mm-hmm. for a while. So, yeah, it seems like because the tag team titles are they're just less value than the singles titles in New Japan. Mm-hmm. So, it gives it that vibe that a tag team wrestler in a singles tournament. It's just you never buy into that because almost like ninety nine percent of the time those people don't go too far. It's like watching a Royal Rumble and it's like somebody's tag team partner, like uh, the, the one tag, like Marty Jannetty. Like, you know he's in it, but you know he's not going to win it. Sorry, Marty, but it's just, that's just how it is. And eh, whatever, we'll see what happens. And I get, and I think we'll have a better idea of how things will turn out once um, we see a couple matches and see the scorecards. Because I think we can really predict uh, more accurately once we see the points 
and kind of see where things are going. So we will come back next week and talk more detail about that. But before we wrap, I wanted to touch on New Japan Strong, the New Japan USA show on uh, New Japan World. We both caught it this week. But before we talk about it, I wanted to mention that Carlos on his YouTube page recently interviewed New Japan. Is, is he signed by New Japan? Danny Limelight. Mm-hmm. Danny uh, Limelight is a uh, New Japan USA, New Japan Strong. Carlos interviewed him. Yeah, is he a uh, New Japan talent or signed? No, he he's still not signed with New Japan, but he's okay. been doing a lot with New Japan lately. And yeah, it's it was a really fun interview. Uh, there's a lot of stuff from from getting to New Japan, which the story of him, you know, finally getting the call to do stuff with New Japan is actually really really interesting. Which included a, a injury that he suffered and maybe a an extremely bizarre way that he healed and the pandemic just kind of just helping with the rest and, and everything. It was a very, very, it was an interesting and a really enjoyable uh, interview. You can find it on my YouTube channel, uh, Carlos Toro Media. And yeah, uh, Dan Limelight's a pretty good guy. Pretty good guy, really good wrestler. And I think he's been giving, given plenty of chances to shine uh, on the New Japan Strong and Lions Break shows. Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't see all of your interview, but he seems like a really interesting dude. He had a military background, I believe. Yep, ex-Marine. It's badass. And he had a great match. I think it's been his second match with Rocky Romero on this week's New Japan Strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for when he gets to be in front of a crowd. It's hard, it's hard to judge uh, a lot of the younger guys too much just because we're in a time where uh, the rules are different than what we're judging on. Is, it's just changed. But what did you think about this Friday's New Japan Strong episode? In general, you know, it it was good. It was good. It was, I think with all these New Japan shows, none of the matches are, you know, a a five-star classic, but for the most part, it's all good matches. You know, it's an easy watch. Like there's nothing, no shenanigans. There's no like big promos or nothing like it. It's like if you just want pure wrestling and just uh, on your wrestling show, I mean, it's a very easy watch. You know, some of the matches this week and some of the guys that wrestled, I think are very interesting. I am really starting to warm up to the idea of ACH and TJP as a tag team duo. Both of them are look really, really good at times. Rocky Romero versus Danny Limelight was also a pretty solid scrap. And as I mentioned, Dane Lambert has been getting a couple of chances to perform really, really well. The match against TJP was was a really, really good 10-11 minute match. Uh, the main event, uh, Kenta versus Jeff Cobb. So I don't want to say this was a bad match because it wasn't. It was a good match, but I think both of us kind of expected a little more and towards the end of the match, they were sort of doing a similar, it, it almost looked like it was leading up to a very similar finish to their New Japan Cup USA match, which was, you know, which was uh, Kenta distracting the ref and, you know, something, you know, he does something they shouldn't have. And then he somehow picks up the win. And then we kind of saw something very similar, except in this case, we saw Chase Owen just attack Jeff Cobb with the, with the IWGP US title contract briefcase. And, you know, it was, again, not a classic by any means. Uh, I I genuinely think that we're going to see, if we see those two 
fight again. I think we're going to do a better match because you, you and I both know this was not their best performance, not, not by a long shot. Like they, they, We've seen these guys in so many great matches, and this one just it just wasn't it for me. It never clicked with me. Yeah, in the ways... I pretty much agree. I mean, for the most, I like the story that Kenta was uh, blasting Jeff Cobb's uh, leg, and that was the that was the main difference, I guess, compared to their other match from a couple of weeks ago. But like you said, it, it was ultimately the same. And I think the viewers of New Japan Strong, they probably watched that match a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I don't think New Japan Strong has wild uh, million viewers or something, but we all we all kind of knew what was going on and i'm kind of confused that cobb you know if if they did this and cobb walked away with the win i would have i would have understood it more because it builds jeff cobb up who's going into the g1 and kenta doesn't really lose that much because he's a character is a cheater so he doesn't lose any of his steam and he doesn't lose face he, he's he would stay where he was we, the fans in theory wouldn't lose respect or any thing for him and Cobb would build up and we'd be you know ready for the G1 but I guess they're going somewhere else uh, I have no idea but I felt it was stale uh, like you said it was a great show and there was also a tag match with the uh, Rules of Destiny and Dave yes. Finley and um, uh, PJ Black um, which was good but uh, they set a high standard so it's mm -hmm. like if every show is really good and one show is good you can kind of tell if you're watching but mm -hmm. I think that's an okay problem to have yeah, yeah, and look, and none of the match, and almost none of the matches in on New Japan Strong are bad or right. or boring whatsoever. But we're so used to seeing, like, especially when it comes to like the main car or the main event scene, just being just absolute bankers left and right. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different, especially. But and by the way, it's not even. Uh, the guys on the roster's fault because I mean you're trying to put uh, three four matches every show in an hour so it, you're not it's not giving space to anyone to do a 20 25 minute classic but but yeah. you know what but but you don't always need to do that and to some of these guys part of it is just introducing them to a brand new audience because no one because barely anyone has seen uh, outside from championship wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, fans, no one's really seen Danny Limelight or, or Adrian Quest, uh, and you've all and not many people have seen uh, watching the Japan Strong have seen the Regal Twins before. So, part of it it's introducing people to a new, uh, to a uh, introducing these guys to a new audience. So, I, I I'm okay with that. I'm not. I wasn't expecting kind Omega mm -hmm. four or anything like that. But I mean, look, if you're tired of the BS that happens on WWE, I mean, there uh, obviously aside from like Kenta and Cobb and what happened in that match, there's really not much, there's really not much BS going on on New Japan strong shows. It's pure wrestling matches. It, it's good. It's good. Yeah. That's a great point. The way you articulated it is something I kind of thought about too, is that a lot of, uh, fans and vocal pundits talk about how they don't like, uh, you know, fussy, uh, gaga kind of uh, stuff in their matches, like, ang like angles that involve more than just the wrestlers and lots of talking. It's what you said it is. It's just wrestling. It's, and it's top quality wrestling too. It's not, you're not going to get 
mm, Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, but why would you want that every Friday? That's like mm-hmm. that's like having filet mignon every night. It's just like like yeah, it's great, but like at some point you're just gonna like okay, it's filet mignon. It's like yeah, you get sick of everything if you you know it, it doesn't matter. So um, New Japan Strong has a feel. It's this. It's not the same, but the feeling that it leaves me with is similar to like Saturday Night, like WCW Saturday Night, where it's just just a wrestling show. Everything that like they're not building to like this show isn't a a promotional tool for the pay per view. It's just wrestling happening now, and like New Japan Strong is. It's just good matches. Nothing really longer than fifteen minutes. Um, it's Friday too. Sometimes it's like 45 minutes, so if you have plans, you can just watch some wrestling and bounce out. And if you like shows like NXT UK or um, 205 Live, it's it's sim- it's, it's, it's similar. It's a similar atmosphere and and, and the talent same, level. Yeah, and you know, and the thing about New Japan Strong is that there is nothing to build towards, dude, because mm. there are no champions on the USA brand right now. There's no titles at stake. I mean, there's there's nothing aside from creating new titles and there's a part of me that is worried that they're going to create us based titles but aside from that i mean like there's it just be a wrestling show and you know it's not building up to anything i mean kenta and jeff cobb are going to be in japan like the only tangible thing is the iwgp us heavyweight contract and you don't really see you know kenta losing it right so, and I always hated that yeah. briefcase too. I always thought that was so uh, derivative. It's just like you can get another object. It doesn't have to be the money <laughs> in the bank thing. It could be some other right hard weapon object. But <laughs> I get it. I get it. But yeah, so we'll, we'll keep talking about that um, when we do our podcast. We'll, we'll give you guys updates and we'll talk about New Japan Strong and what's going on there. Uh, it's not completely related to uh, the G1, but it is New Japan. And it is something that I cover over on F4W.com. Uh, and before we wrap up, though, before we wrap up the previous show, I wanted to just touch on All Japan's Champion Carnival, which started this weekend. And I know this is a New Japan podcast. We're going to focus mostly on New Japan, but it's really unique and rare that All Japan's Champion Carnival, which is essentially their round robin uh Tournament. tournament that not usually in April, usually it's springtime. It was the first one too. They mm-hmm. don't usually happen uh, next to each other. And now they are. And if we're doing a G1 cast, I said, yeah, might as well. Let's <laughs> talk about it. We won't focus too much on it, but you know, we, we did watch the first, uh, first couple mat, first four block matches. Uh, what'd you think, Carlos? It's, you know, it, it was fine. It was, it felt like it was more of a, it more of a okay let's just sort of ease into everything which and you know we're not going to do anything too crazy which is which i find it weird considering that the, this year's tournament field is so much significantly smaller mm-hmm. than in previous years like you only got five guys per block but but at the same time it it's good in the sense that now every match has even higher stakes and it makes upsets that much more important. It's not like, well, Toriano won, you know, but he's going to lose like six, six matches. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't factor in too much. But then you see in the main event, we got Yoshitatsu submitting Kento Miyahara. Like that adds a lot more weight to it because there's each guy's only going to wrestle four times in the block stage. So that's so. 
I don't want to say like, oh, does this mean that Yuri Thomas is going to win the, the B block? But it's interesting. There's a few guys in here that like just based on that first round, like I feel a little more confident and thinking, OK, I could reasonably see uh, so-and-so win the whole thing. I think the two guys that won today's A block matches, Jake Lee and Swama, I could reasonably see. Whoever wins that match, Lee versus Suwama, I think it's going to be the A block winner. And I looked at the tournament field and I kind of thought to myself, I could see this being Jake Lee's year. I could totally see it happening. Um, I don't know if you want to go to Suwama. I mean, I love Suwama. He's been in some phenomenal matches. Hell, I mean, I, I was telling you this um, over the weekend that Suwama versus Kenta Bihara is still one of my favorite matches from this year, from back in March. And any of you who haven't seen that match, go watch it because that is a phenomenal Absolutely. match. Um, you know, but aside from the Yoshitatsu Kenta Bihara, it was really kind of more or less what you would have expected out of this match. Jake Lee beats uh, Ikemen uh, Kuroshio. Uh, Suwama beats Kuma Arashi in like three minutes, like three, four minutes. And uh, you guys, Shuji Ishikawa beating uh, Yuma Aoyagi. Yeah. It, I think that's solid. I, I agree. I think the most important thing um, or most noticeable thing about the show is definitely Yoshitatsu's upset win. And it was a good match, too. And It was a good match. Yeah, Yoshitatsu, he gets a bad rap, but... He gets a... When, yeah. When he's... Yeah. When he is um, required to deliver, he often does. And it's not mm -hmm. the coolest. I know he has he's fluffy hair and his, his mask. I don't know if the video is going up, but the, this gesture <laughs> that... I, I mean, it's, you know, social distancing. It's topical. That's cool. But... Um, like you said, he probably won't win this, but it definitely made the show a little interesting. Otherwise, it would have been kind of, you know, it felt like a tune-up show. It was in Nagoya. It was at like a gymnasium-type venue where mm -hmm. it was very bright. Um, I think a lot of the, the best stuff from this year's Champion Carnival will happen at Korokuen. I felt like they're using this as, okay, we're going to get warmed up. We'll have some okay matches, shorter matches, like you said, with uh, Suomong Kumarashi. But I think Korokan will be where we uh, should really be paying attention. And like you said, Suama is a current Triple Crown champion, so I'm interested to see how he'll fare. Um, mm. We could see some upsets for sure. And like you said, there's only five, it's five on five, so they can really focus on um, building their kind of top heavyweight division now since everything with Wrestle 1 folding and them uh, acquiring Arashi and uh, Shotaro Ashino. They have a legit great heavyweight like actual heavyweight division of big dudes who can really move and wrestle and that plus it seems like they're trying to rebrand since earlier this year if you watch any of their new promo videos or looked at all japan tv AG, ajpw tv uh new production quality they're trying new things so good luck for them and uh i'm looking forward to the next couple of matches i, I haven't seeing the uh, day two that we talked about, but we'll touch on that later this week. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's been, in, you know, in these, in the, and again, none of the matches have been necessarily bad. Even the Suwama match that was like only for a few minutes wasn't necessarily bad. It mm. was, it was just, there was two bosses coming in there, just beating each other up. And I mean, it wasn't anything flashy, but that wasn't the match to be flashy. It was, it was, <sighs> I feel like calling it 
basic is an insult, but it kind of was more or less what it was. Aside from the main event, it was kind of more or less pretty basic. There was nothing that like truly stood out to me uh, out of any of these matches. I think that's what at least uh, wrestlers like Suwama really pride themselves on is the fact they, that they're pure... You know, mm. pure. Mm-hmm. He has a Suma has a really extensive amateur background. I've heard the rumors of him, you know, taking liberties with people from outside of the company. <laughs> it, those are, you know, that's from a long time ago. But there is that mentality of um, wrestling should be, especially in Japan, wrestling should be a certain way, a certain style. Um, mm-hmm. uh, basic, I guess, is the proper word, but I know what you mean. That makes it seem like it's like simple or like not but it's it's actually really smart and if you watch last year's tag team match with suama and shiji shikawa versus big japan's daisuke sakimoto and yuji okabashi at a tag team match it was about 20 25 minutes i forget how long but i swear i don't think there were any more moves than uh chops body slams stomps like the high spot was a big splash, but there was nothing flashier than that in a, a long match. And it was really good. It was really mm-hmm. exciting because it was because it was so like base. I guess we're going to use the word basic or just not flashy. It really helps focus on what the facial expressions the wrestlers are using, what whatever story they're trying to tell through selling body parts. It becomes more about uh, it becomes more of like an intellectual. Um, experience it, and even intellectual that's kind of overstating it it's just yeah. it's not as a uh, car crash ish it's yeah no it's not ish. yeah you're not gonna see these guys you know jump off the top rope or just do a, a 450 like not every wrestler has to not every wrestling match has to have that and, and suwama is a guy who doesn't necessarily do some of the things our favorite wrestler does nowadays but in its simplicity that's where you kind of see things shine. And I think with these first matches, it was like never nothing extravagant, but you know what? But like I said, with the new Japan's strong, it's simple, but it's a good watch. Like none of the, none of these matches today were uh, on the first day were bad. Not at all. It seems, you know, between uh, new Japan strong and all Japan. And of course, new Japan proper, everyone involved wrestles like the, they, they are wrestlers. This is what they do in their life. This, and they wrestle with a lot of passion. And they that appeals to the hardcore fans like us because we like to nitpick and uh, critique and, and see how good it can really be. And when you have guys and girls that really care about it, it so comes through. It comes through so clearly as opposed to, like, you know when a wrestler doesn't want to be there. Especially, we watch a lot more than the average folk. So it's really quick. We're like, oh... Brock Lesnar doesn't look like he feels like being there and he probably doesn't because he doesn't have to because he's just showing up for one moment and then he goes back to his life. It's more like acting. Where mm-hmm. Suama, he, uh, he's, I think he's acting president of the company right now too. He's mm-hmm. living and breathing the company and a lot of uh, wrestlers over in Japan, they define themselves with the wrestling. So I think that um, it trickles down to the product and you can feel that in Japan and a lot of the other Japanese promotions that we'll be covering. So that's that for today for our first preview show. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about before we wrap up, Carlos? 
Um, really not much at all. I mean, we kind of cover more or less everything from previewing the blocks, the the first couple of shows to to even some old Japan stuff. So, yeah, I would say that um, yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything. Cool. Okay, so we're gonna wrap up for tonight. Um, check back next week is when this is when the proper podcast will, will get into uh, motion because the G one will have kicked off. Uh, we'll come back with a little bit of all Japan coverage and we'll talk about new Japan strong, but, uh, yeah, next week, let's get ready. We'll get ready to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Okay. Thanks, Carlos. We'll see you soon from Fike media. I'm Justin. (laughs) All right. I want to thank Dave Meltzer for joining the show. And of course, Justin and Carlos, I am really excited for G1 cast. And another thing about the G1 is um, Chris Aiken is going to write recaps. Again, not sure if he's going to write them every single night, but he may also write them after both nights are done and the blocks are even. So um, for all of those great people, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.